morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, also known as the Node Defender, is joining us. And we got Jenna X joining us on this Tuesday, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how Coinbase co-founder Brian Armstrong is excited about the launch of a better form of money, as Flatcoins, a project linked to CPI, could soon be coming to American markets. As Solana, Polygon, and Stellar are all working with financial giants to bring forth a new era of payments, Ripple acquired Fortress Trust over the weekend, creating a one-stop shop for all Web3 infrastructure, now enabling tokenized real-world assets through Ripple products. And with MasterCard doubling down on their adoption of CBDCs, we break down the details, showing our community how governments around the world are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Mario, I got to go to you this morning because Johnny Crypto appears to be pixelated, my friend. A little bit of tech issues, but how are you feeling? And thank you for being here. I'm feeling amazing. You caught me off guard because I was another, on another page looking at Merlin and I'm like, wait, he's coming to me first, but I'm feeling amazing. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, I hope Johnny Crypto gets back from the matrix or whatever he's from, but I'm excited to see Jenna. It's great to be on with her again. And I hope everybody in the chat out there is doing good. Jenna, always excited to have you on these Tuesdays. How are you feeling this morning? We got a bunch of great news to get into, but what I'm most excited about is the exposure between JP Morgan and Bitcoin. That could be new for our listeners. How are you feeling? And thanks for being here. Well, I'm feeling amazing despite, you know, the price and XRP and everyone complaining. Guys, this is all temporary. You got to look at the big picture. Super stoked to be here with you guys this morning with Johnny. I can see him just fine. He's working for me. He's not glitching out. Hello to all the warriors in the chat. I cannot wait. We have some awesome articles today to get into. So I'm excited. Let's do it. Italian Stallion, as they say, best for last, my friend. And we saved you for last this morning. So how are you feeling? No offense, John, uh, Mario and Jenna. It's only <laughs> jokes. But how are you feeling? Thanks for being here. Uh, feeling great. Good morning to all the warrior maniacs out there for showing up every single day. We love and appreciate you guys. I, You know, I muted that thing, so I don't know how that just happened. But nonetheless, I just want to say it's so great to be here with Jen. I missed her last week. And my man Mario and Ab's always great to be here. Can't wait to hop into it. We got some really good stuff. I'm excited to dive into it, Johnny. And we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button to get updates throughout the day. When we look at the Bitcoin fear and greed index, actually, we're going to check out some of the daily movers this morning. It is green across the board, Jenna. We got Render up about 11% and Hex Token up about 8% on the day. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.03 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 26,000. Ethereum, 1,600. XRP is 48 cents and Cardano sitting there at 24 cents this morning. And Johnny Crypto, this is an article that's becoming more important than ever because JP Morgan and a bunch of other financial firms are getting ready to launch a Bitcoin ETF application. Here's a video explaining how long those companies have been involved with Bitcoin in the cryptocurrency market. On September 12th, Jamie Dimon says Bitcoin is a fraud. He says he'll fire any one of his traders buying Bitcoin. Bitcoin drops 24%. When Jamie Dimon speaks, people listen, people listen. So that weekend, we found out that the largest buyer 
of a of a Bitcoin fund that's in Europe that buys physical Bitcoin, right? The largest buyer was Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan. And that's not illegal. He says it's a fraud. It says he'll fire anyone that buys it. Yes. And at the same time, his company is buying it. His company is buying it. So it's just, I mean, so unethical. Right. Okay, George Soros. George Soros, in January 24th, (laughs) price was already down, calls Bitcoin a bubble, says Bitcoin is the worst, you know, the worst investment in the world. Don't buy Bitcoin. Don't buy Bitcoin. Basically throws uh, gasoline on the fire at this point. And then what do we find out? So he says bubble here. It drops 44%. Right. And then here in April, two months later, guess what we find out? Yeah. His $26 billion family office has approval to buy cryptocurrency. Right. And you only, we only. So Johnny, the reason I think this video is becoming more important than ever is because two things happen when institutions want to buy. Number one, they talk negatively about the product so they can get the prices as low as possible. Number two is they give themselves an advantage. What was JP Morgan doing? They couldn't buy Bitcoin in the American markets. They set up a firm over in Europe and had $26 billion to play with and accumulate crypto tokens. So I'd like to get your thoughts and we'll continue. Why why is anybody surprised? I I don't get it. I mean, listen, if you watched this show, you heard Mark Yosko explain exactly on this show how the big boys buy stuff cheap. They They put out bad news and then they go buy it. So this is why we try to say on this show, you buy when this fear in the streets, you buy when everybody's telling you to run because the reason why they're telling you to run is so they can buy it cheap. It's not a simple equation, but the problem is it gets counterintuitive to human nature. You know, if you hear a bunch of people talking bad about something, you're not going to buy it. You're going to be scared to buy it. Right. You just have to be able to do the opposite of what your brain thinks. If you can do that, you're probably going to be very wealthy, but most people can't have, they can't go against their own subconscious. It's very hard to go against your own conscious mind. Right. And that's why, that's why the system is set up the way it is. Makes total sense to me. And Jenna, I think we're seeing a fundamental shift in finance right now. But when we talk about Bitcoin in particular, all of these big companies are shifting and saying, this is an international asset. This is a store of value. And it was only 24 months ago that companies like BlackRock and JP Morgan were very critical of Bitcoin, stating it's in a bubble and they didn't understand the value in the first place. So what do you take away from all this news? JP Morgan was one of the first buyers of Bitcoin back in 2014. No, they understood the value. They are purposely doing this, obviously creating the fear so they can buy that. But tell me how they do not get investigated by the SEC. Like this is documented market manipulation and and by a lot, like 24%. Are you serious? And how are they not getting fined? How is Jamie Dimon not getting in trouble? I don't understand. Well, hopefully this video can provide a little bit of clarity here, guys, because as companies like PayPal and BlackRock are shifting their sentiment on Bitcoin, CNBC is now promoting this product and stating an international asset is here to stay. And they're even calling this Bitcoin is the money for the Internet. Give me a break, guys. We're going to talk about it. But here's a video. So we're just saying the state of fintech and the state of of payments and, and where we really are. You're working on a new project. I shouldn't even say a new project, but a project around the Lightning Network, which is aimed at basically taking Bitcoin. You can explain it better than I can. Effectively, you take it off chain and then put it back on chain to make these transactions faster. Yes, actually, what we're trying to do is turn Bitcoin into a, a real payment, global payment network, because you know we have many tourists walking right outside of the studio right now. If you were to stop one of them and 
wanting to communicate with them. You could ask them for an email address and you can email them easily the next minute. Uh, you could text them, you could add them to a group video chat, you can do all of these things. But if you were to send them money, if they were not a US citizen here in the US using one of the same FinTech apps you're using, uh, then you wouldn't be able to do that. And so we're still in the fax era of global payments and that's what we're attempting to solve. Right, well, why is that so important by the way? Because the truth is I can use Venmo. I mean, others can use services that, that are connected to each other. Why is, it so, why is that such a terrible answer? So let, let's, let's double click on that for okay. a second. So you can use Venmo, but if someone is not using Venmo they or can't. is an international uh, right. tourist walking right outside right, right now, you right can't now send if I money. have an iPhone and I want to message somebody, I mean, if, if I don't have WhatsApp and somebody wants to WhatsApp me, they have to get the WhatsApp app. But you have texts, which is universal, where you can actually communicate and reach out to anyone you want in the world with one simple addressing scheme, which is a phone number, which is human readable. And you can't do that with money. There's no universal protocol for money on the internet that actually enables value to be transported to, right. through the internet. So if you were to want to send money to one of these people, you would probably need to ask them for a bank account number. The bank account number would be in different format depending on where you are in the world. You would have to actually physically walk to a branch and pay $50 right. to do an international wire. And so there's a lot of good information in that clip, Johnny, but there were a couple of things that really stuck out to me. Number one is he was promoting the Lightning Bitcoin network, whatever they're calling it nowadays. He was stating that what they can do is they can facilitate payments off chain at a faster rate. What the Lightning Network can do right now, and I was looking for the tweet, I can't find it. I do know the stat off my head. Right now, the Lightning Network can only facilitate 5,000 Bitcoin payments per second, I believe. So what that means is, or 5,000 Bitcoin in total volume per second, that means that out of the 21 million of Bitcoin that are circulating today or 18 million, whatever the number is, if everyone was using the Lightning Network, it would crash instantly. It's kind of like the electric vehicle statement, Johnny. Everyone wants an electric vehicle. First, we got to upgrade the power grid. I think that's what's kind of happening with Bitcoin. But you tell me what you think. Yeah, actually, the most important part of the whole conversation wasn't so much about the Lightning Network. It was about the vision of where money can go. And what he talked about was so critical. And am I freezing up over here? Can you guys hear me? It's continue. You're good. Okay. So anyway, what's critical here about this whole thing isn't so much about the lightning network. It's, it's about being able to create, you know, seamless transactions to be able to move money from me to Jenna or you to Mario or from wherever, wherever, without the need of having to download an app or go to a bank. It's just as simple as sending a text. That's where we're heading. That's where the whole industry is trying to move. We're just not there yet. But that's the ultimate end game. And that is kind of really exciting when you think about, you know, now I don't have to worry about downloading an app or I don't have to make sure we have the same kind of thing. It's all about what happens behind the scenes to enable this. You know, when the guy talked about, well, Venmo, again, he's talking about the front end of it, but nobody's thinking about the back end and how this is all going to work. And that's what the blockchain is ultimately and these solutions are ultimately going to solve for. And I think it'll be an exciting day when one day it's like, you know, you have that Venmo or do you have PayPal or you have cash app? I don't have to worry about it. It's like, hey, just send me 20 bucks. All right, here's my address and boom, or whatever, whatever the ID is going to be, right? It's simple as sending a text message. Ultimately, that's where we're heading. And to me, that is really the key issue. In terms of the lightning, everybody's trying to solve for that. And there's going to be many, many solutions that are going to come out to try and get us there. And none of them are going to solve it right now today, but they will work to a solution to get us there at some point. Uh, you know? Right. 
Oh, floor is yours. No, to, to that, Johnny, it's like saying, okay, so I have a bolt and I need to remove it. The lightning network would be the equivalent of someone taking two flathead screwdrivers, putting them together with a rubber band to try to remove the bolt when what you actually need is a spanner, say XRP, that's already, hey, made for this. We handle, you know, what is it, 3,500 transactions per second. We could just go ahead and move it. Why? You know, recreate the spanner or recreate the wheel. We already have something for that, the biggest problem with the XRPL and say the Zoom wallet is the onboarding, right? Because it is a pain in the ass. If you want to set it up and start it, you know, you have to go buy XRP somewhere. You have to set it here. Yes, you have to. Trust line costs two XRP. It holds 10 XRP to open up a wallet. It's a bit of a curve right now. And I think that that's where we're seeing the biggest problem for onboarding. So as soon as someone makes that app or messaging, if it's out, please let me know because I'm missing it. But you know, it's Bitcoin Maxi is trying to save what they have, but really this is a dinosaur. This is not made for payments. And I think the biggest fallacy we have with Bitcoin in particular, Johnny, is the fact that it can never scale up to facilitate global payments. This is a primary example of that. So Bitcoin's Lightning Network usage is down 84% since last year, and its capacity has plummeted by 15% over the last three months. The Lightning Network can now only handle 5,000 Bitcoin, which is roughly 0.00023% of Bitcoin supply. The maxis they're dead silent about this statistic, and I'm kicking it to you. That's a pretty funny line. What do you think about the networks changing right now? We're either sh seeing a shift into better payment systems, or is Bitcoin going to basically evolve into a payment network? You know, I think that Bitcoin may be, <clears throat> when you think about how the system is going to be built, Bitcoin isn't going to be the bridge to do that. Bitcoin may be the actual currency that maybe rides on that bridge, right? Because we know the XRPL can handle different currencies, and we know one of them is Bitcoin. So to me, that's going to be the true question is which one ends up becoming the rail and which one becomes the actual medium to use for 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 the actual transaction, whether it's, you know, whatever that new form of currency is going to be. So that's the way I always think about it. I never thought Bitcoin or the Lightning Network would be the main rails for anything. But, of course, all companies, again, you know, it's just human nature to develop products and solutions. And that's what the Lightning Network was, was an attempt to do that. And so whether it can or can't do it, I mean, I think we all know it's very, very limited. It's an attempt to get there. But I don't really get hung up on who's trying to do what. I just look at what are the technologies that I think are going to be here in the future. And I don't think Bitcoin's going away. So, I mean, you decide on how you want to invest from that perspective. But in terms of the rails, I think we're all very clear what's best seated you know or in position to win that battle and the question is you see ripple doing all the things to continue to promote that and so at the end of the day what this whole thing is going to look like i think you'll find out that ripple will have a i think a, a piece to play in it uh, i think bitcoin will probably have a piece to play in it. i think ethereum will also be there all the different layers and so we'll file on all these other ones but it's a lot we have a long way to go and it's very early apps to, to determine how this whole system what it's going to look like in the long run but it looks like we got some stellar news Johnny, and we got 215 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we've been talking all week about how Stellar is waiting to make a massive announcement. Well, it appears that announcement has come. Stellar just tweeted out, the wait is over introducing the new Stellar. I'm going to read a quote here, and then I guess we'll click on the article because I'm just finding out about this as we speak. So the moment is here. The idea is no longer just an idea. The hard work, long nights, and sacrifice have turned into something that we can touch, see, and experience. Welcome to the new Stellar, where blockchain 
meets the real world Johnny Crypto. But a boom, guys. And one of the things I think this article is definitely going to be about, it's either going to be about on and off ramps or tokenization of real assets. And as you can see, my computer is barely handling the bandwidth here. So let's go through this article. Actually, this is live on air. So Johnny, why don't you give me a little commentary while I search through this website real quick? Yeah, so I mean, I guess, well, actually, I think Mario's been searching on this thing. And Mario, I don't know if you have anything to say about it as we try to figure I don't know. Is this just a rebranding of what they're trying to do here? Is there actual real news here in terms of what? Oh, they a new website. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what they were hinting at a few days ago when they said brand. It just looks that they're just trying to reaff reaffirm themselves and their branding and what they're trying to accomplish. So I'm hoping that there's a, I'm hoping that there's some news within the news because <laughs> this has been hyped for no reason, in my opinion. What are you uh, talking about, Bar? You don't like the fact that they rebranded their website? No, <laughs> give me one second. I gotta go sell my XLM real quick. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, uh, we might get a half a cent. Mario was actually talking about this could be a good speculative trade, right? We were talking about maybe this is yeah. going to be Apple news. Maybe this is going to be on and off ramp news. I thought it was going to be something about tokenization. Little did we know they paid a developer to upgrade the website here, Johnny. This is so the problem when you set an expectation too high. <laughs> You're not this wrong. Perfect example. Keep the bar low. Don't set that. Everybody thought it was going to be your Apple news. And then it's like, hey, guess what? Pull off the carpet. Oh, shit. It's just, we just changed the paint on the car. It's a new paint job, it looks like. We'll balance out some of the news here, guys. This is undeniably good news. As strengthening Ripple has strengthened their company over the week, acquiring two new companies throughout the summer and now enabling the ability to real to tokenize real-world assets through Ripple products. So this is really, really exciting for our listeners. Medico is a Switzerland-based company that provides crypto custody services to financial institutions. Ripple acquired them for $250 million this spring, and a couple of months later, they acquired Fortress Trust, which is a financial institution that offers financial technology in the fintech world, as well as regulatory infrastructure for Web3 services. Now, Johnny, why is this news more important than ever? With these two new partnerships and acquisitions, Ripple Labs has also acquired properties that can help infrastructure for crypto platforms. This is going to help them connect traditional financial institutions dealing with fiat, banks, trusts, and et cetera, they now can enable tokenized real-world assets and hold them in safe and compliant ways. This is so exciting for Ripple, the company. I know a lot of our listeners are only excited about XRP news. But when I look at this, Johnny, real-world assets being tokenized through Ripple products, it's one of the most bullish things we could see for crypto markets overall. How do you feel about this moment being official? Let me tell you, man, this is one of the holy grails in, in, in the end game here, in my opinion. We know that tokenization of real-world assets is going to be huge huge right monstrous and to get a piece of that pie and how brilliant they were <laughs> ripple's like we know the sec is not going to give us approval no problem we'll just buy the companies that we need that already have approval and now we get around it and it's, it's just brilliant and that's what you can do when you have a bunch of money you know you're sitting at a billion dollars in the bank you go and you you acquire acquisition the parts you need to be able to grow your company i mean kudos to 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 the to the to the whole leadership there at Ripple. I mean, I really think these guys got their heads screwed on straight. Uh, I really believe they are, they are, I, again, I keep saying this. I feel like there's gotta be some companies that are going to be the next Amazons of the world. And I, I really feel like Coinbase and Ripple are going to be two of those that are going to come out 
you know, humongous and, you know, and being able to, and of course, you know, being able to buy cars like that. Well, I'll let you play the video. We'll see who owns that car. <laughs> Mario, if we're looking for indicators of a successful company, find the CEO driving a $2 million vehicle, guys. And we got 246 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and check out this video of Chris Larson driving a $2 million Porsche. What do you do for a living? Your car's awesome. Oh, uh, no, it's a great car. Dude. It's amazing, dude. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good everyday car, too. Yeah. Any any profession you work in or industry? FinTech. Any advice you'd give for someone like one day hoping to drive something like this? Just keep at it. Keep at it? Keep trying to knock you down. Just keep at it. Hell yeah. Go, go, go. Okay. You yeah. Mario, if they try to knock you down, just keep at it. So the first question I got for you, is that a shot oh, at Gary Gensler? The second question I got for you, Porsche 918 Spider, you're a car guy. It's a $2 million vehicle. Chris Larson said it's a good everyday vehicle in this video. So Every day. <laughs> but give me some thoughts, yeah. Mario. Yeah, Porsche GT3 RS for me. But, um, you know, oh, it's it's a great car. Yeah, no. But then it's, it's a good everyday car. And he's like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's a cool car. <laughs> I just thought it was funny how he kept saying, yeah, no. But then he would reaffirm it but i don't know man like i'm i think that like ripple is is the kind of company just to kind of go back on on ripple ripple is the kind of company that keeps coming out with all these different uh acquisitions partnerships expanding their their reach at the same time we've got stellar that seems to go like untouched by the sec and all these things that are happening I mean, I know that they had to go after somebody. They chose to go after Ripple and XRP. They could have gone after Stellar XLM because it was very similar. Um, they chose not to. And I, I just don't see much excitement happening with, with Stellar, like this announcement. I was just looking at the website. It just looks like they paid um, a Hollywood actor to come in and, and you know, do, uh, do some uh, uh, videos. And they revamped their website. And it's like, we haven't really seen much good news come out of stellar or like partnerships or so to think that and then i'm not saying i'm not bashing down on stellar xlm i i own both xrp and xlm but just comparing to both we see so much stuff happening around the ripple and xrp ecosystem and when we look at the stellar i just i guess i just really got disappointed with this whole anticipation anticipation counting down the days to then really don't i don't really understand <laughs> i don't get what they're trying to pass here there's what I would say, Mario. This is par for the course when it comes to the cryptocurrency market. Anytime there's rumors of a massive announcement, I've never heard the hype be less than the actual or be more than the actual announcement. So every time they're hyping an announcement, it's always a letdown. And so if we're going to hear about it from the public, I'm not going to go and bet my put my races in that horse. But Johnny, this is what I wanted to focus on as well. One of our listeners commented, click on the menu tab and scroll down. As we can tell, they do have a, a multiple use cases for XLM here, cross-border payments, asset tokenization, on and off ramps, and aid distribution. They've also got a list of case studies, products and tools, ecosystem projects, and no need to read this about the content library as well. I do think what they're trying to facilitate here is a movement away from speculation, Johnny, and into real-world use cases, reaching out to developers, reaching out to people in the industry, and try to bring some some real-world use cases onto Stellar. Now, it does also remind me, Jenna, that they've also just acquired a stake in MoneyGram, which I think is so important because they're going to have a, a technological advantage during those conversations. They're going to be able to promote their own products, right? And I think that's what's so important about this next evolution in payments is if you're not sitting at the table, you're not going to get to promote your product. And that's what I think we're really seeing with Stellar. They're becoming a part of the most important conversations in the space. And to me, it's a positive sign. What do you take away from this news? Even if they just updated their website, what do you think? Big letdown or, or what? 
Well, the MoneyGram stuff, that was a while ago. That's not new news. And I mean, sure, to some people that don't know about it, yeah, but that's not new. Um, and everything that they've been doing on here, they've already been doing it. So maybe it's just a fact of, hey, we want to actually show, you know, this is what we're doing. We're actually here. We're making real world things. And, you know, maybe they want to spin it that way before Meridian because you have that is about to pop off. So that way they have something to show everyone. But really, they've just been continuing on doing CBDCs were already a focus. They're already working with different countries on that. Um, you know, the real world use cases and banking the unbanked. These are all things they've been doing. So I don't know. It's just maybe another angle that they want to spin it. But no, I, I wasn't really looking that they were going to have any kind of crazy news. Um, it's not that I've lost any kind of faith in seller. I think that they're just a slow mover. And I think if you want something that is a is more stable than a stable coin that's the route you should go <laughs> i have seller i hold it for long term um it's it's definitely slow and steady but that's fine i just can't yeah, no. I, I know like... i i i see where you're coming from jenna and you brought up something very important which is the conference member how do you call it meridian is that what is how it's pronounced i believe meridian yes. has been hosted since 2019 and it's the stellar development foundation bringing uh, the biggest names in fintech together to talk about the future of payments. Here's Stellar CEO discussing the Meridian. When we started Meridian in 2019, it was our very first Meridian. It was live, it was in person, it was in Mexico. The notion and even the name of Meridian was all about convening, which is really what the Stellar Development Foundation is all about. It's bringing those who are participating in the ecosystem, those who are building on Stellar, bringing everyone together so that they can support one another and create network effects. So this is the beauty of Meridian as a whole, and this is the reason why it's so important that we do this on an annual basis. Okay, so connecting this clip with the announcement that they made this morning, Jenna, one of the things I can tell is they're beginning to focus specifically on developers. Meridian is focused on bringing developers into the same room so they can build on the XLM's protocols. I think their website kind of reflects that. They really highlight real-world use cases, and they highlight the starting to build for developers tab as well. And as you can tell, when I scroll through this website, they're talking about this is the moment everyone's been waiting for where blockchain meets the real world. So connecting those two articles, does that change your sentiment whatsoever? No, because I've been following Stellar for so long and they've been doing this. Maybe to new people it's new, but I'm not impressed. I like your website. It is cool. Keep going. How about this? Will it attract new developers with the Meridian Conference coming and them being developer focused going forward? Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, there's just so much competition right out there and so many different blockchains. And, you know, if you're building on Stellar, you're building on Stellar. I think Stellar tends to attract more shady developers and more bad actors than any other blockchain. Yes. And to no coincidence, Johnny, they've got a free pass in Washington as well. But we got 282 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And the big news out of today was that Gary Gensler is testifying in front of the Senate House Committee or the Senate Banking Committee. Well, here's the big news. Hester Pierce is coming out and publicly speaking against Gary Gensler and many of his opinions involving the crypto market. So SEC's Hester Pierce says the U.S. government needs to remember who it represents. And she's joining the likes of Tom Emmer and the former CFTC commissioner, Brian Cortez, as well as the Blockchain Association to talk about permissionless policy on Monday. As crypto firms attempt to navigate an increasingly fraught regulatory environment, federal agencies and lawmakers need to remember who they work for, says Hester Pierce. The government develops its own interests and starts to forget 
that it represents the people's view on things. If that's not a shot at Gary Gensler, Johnny, I genuinely don't know what is. When Tom Emmer was talking about the state of crypto regulation in the U.S., he said it's not good. The question is, will crypto innovation happen here in this country or are we going to get pushed out? And you know what I thought of when I saw that quote, Johnny Crypto? The interview from Chris Larson last week where he was talking about if crypto companies want to register in the U.S., he would advise them to go elsewhere. If the U.S. is not the place to do business, where do you all go? Is there a better jurisdiction that has a firmer handle on things? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, when people, uh, entrepreneurs ask, I say, don't start in the U.S., unfortunately. You go to London, you go to Singapore, you go to Dubai. And this, it's not because they don't have any rules. Quite the opposite. They have clear rules that protect consumers and also celebrate innovation. Why isn't America leading that call? That's what we've always been, and we got to get back to it. And by the way, that's the engine that has made San Francisco what it is. And to have the federal government hamstringing us, just, it's just unacceptable. Oh, after watching a couple of the clips from the Senate Banking Committee today, Johnny, with Gary Gensler, it does seem like sentiment is chip shifting for crypto. Members of Congress are becoming increasingly pro-crypto, and I think it's examples like this right here that are the reason we're seeing that shift. So as this was stated by the Blockchain Association CEO this week, she said, but what we started to see with Ripple and Grayscale is now we're seeing with Coinbase is that these companies are willing to the legal fees because they think that agency inter, inter, sorry, agency's interpretation is wrong. And what we're starting to find out is that the courts are stopping these uh, companies against the agencies. And I think that's the industry's position a lot stronger going forward. So Hester Pierce is speaking against Gary Gensler, but he's still being called out by members of Congress. Do you think this is the beginning of the shift that we've been waiting for when it comes to friendly crypto regulation? Yeah, I think there's certainly a, a shift finally starting to happen. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if you start to see at some point, you know, because Gary now has been, you know, pretty much pinned as the anti-crypto guy, right? Even though he may or may not be, the reality is that that's the tag he's gotten now. And I'm not so sure he can overcome that. So maybe what you're seeing happening is Hester taking the other side of the coin always being, you know, favorable pro crypto, crypto friendly, crypto mom. Don't be surprised if maybe he gets pulled out when they're ready to change the narrative. And then Hester comes in and takes the lead, kind of driving the, the industry forward. But I certainly think there is, there was, we always knew there was going to be a point in time when this narrative was going to get flipped. Now we're not there yet, but we're, we're heading in that direction. As you see, when we get there is when you actually have the legislation come out or wherever that says, okay, it's official, it's signed, and that's when the game changes, right? So until we get there, but yes, Abs, I totally agree that I feel like we're moving in that direction. It certainly feels like there's a bigger momentum now to say, okay, maybe crypto's not so bad, but um, but we're not there yet. There's still a way to go, but, but I certainly, it feels like the pressure and Operation Choke Point and squeezing crypto down it feels like a little of that is coming off, but uh, we'll have to wait and see with the SEC where they go next. And maybe I could be completely wrong. Yeah. And he was, I thought it was very interesting that he was asking the questions that we've been asking for a long time. Why is the U.S. falling behind? Why is the U.S. you know, crippling crypto and, and, and stifling the innovation? And these laws and regulations already exist in other countries. So it's not like they have to sit down and imagine what these laws and regulations could look like because they can take example from what these countries are doing. And if they think it, they can do better, well, they certainly have the opportunity to start from scratch and create something that is better. But I think that the narrative 
is starting to shift. I think that, you know, over the next two years, especially with changes of administration, I think that we will start to see a uh, more pro-crypto uh, narrative come along. And, and um, yeah, and that's what the United States needs. And that's what U.S. Uh, needs if it wants to continue being a pro-innovation and pro-technology uh, nation. And we're seeing banks around the world put out their projection for tokenized assets, Johnny. And Citibank is predicting $5 trillion. Bank of America is saying $8 trillion. JP Morgan is saying $8 trillion. I don't think the U.S. is going to miss out on that opportunity. And so that's why we're going to see the 180 from U.S. officials going forward. Gary Gensler's uh, chairman, sorry, the SEC's chairman, Gary Gensler, is scheduled to testify in front of the Senate Banking Committee today, which is expected to focus on the agency's oversight of the crypto industry. Well, Gary Gensler was actually doubling down on cryptos being securities, stating given that most crypto tokens are subject to the securities laws, it follows that most crypto intermediaries have to comply with securities laws as well. And one of the conversations we've been having for 8, 10, 12 months on this channel is the SEC doesn't have the resources to go after individual projects. So they're going to attack crypto exchanges and say they are offering unregistered securities with that being said johnny right. floor is yours my friend and we'll kick it to jenna yeah you know this is going to be a i can't wait to watch that one to see if we're going to get a bunch of ah uh, ums and ahs because you know he's not going to answer any questions and if they ask him about ethereum he's gonna he's not gonna say anything about it i would i would love for them to ask him about the xrp ruling though i'm curious what he's got i'm sure you know he's not going to have a very good or, ha or be happy about that response but you know i think at the end of the day the whole thing Gary's not going to change his tune apps. Gary is the anti-crypto guy now, as I just said. And I think you're going to, and you just saw it, right? You just read it. He's digging in deeper. He's going to double down. He's going to say these things are all securities. He's going to say that the judge got it wrong and we're going to appeal it. And he's actually going to say we filed for an appeal. That's what he's going to say um, because we think it's wrong and blah, 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 blah. And they're not protecting investors. That's all the stuff you're going to hear him say. So you don't even have to watch it. I just told you what he's going to say. But anyway, nonetheless, once you once you get through that piece of it, hopefully we'll get to some good content in terms of what how they're going to move the industry forward. The point is the congressmen are interested. That's what's important in them putting legislation together to get get us past us so that we no longer have to decide what it is, what it isn't um, is, is really what I think makes, you know, is what we're looking for here to be able to move the industry forward. Because Chris Larson, he nailed it. By the way, everybody was asking who that was when you were showing that two million dollar portion. Oh, channel. really? Yeah, so just so you know, that is – so the guy – and by the way, they were asking if that's Paul Walker. No, that's not Paul Walker, unfortunately. Rest in peace. But it is – Chris Larson is the um, the chairman of the board for Ripple. So if you're wondering who it is driving that $2 million Porsche, that's uh, – Keep in mind cool. as well, Chris Larson's also being sued alongside Brad Garlinghouse by the SEC right now. Yeah. And that's why he kept saying, you know, when people were asking him, what do you do? How do you – he said, keep going forward keep, you know, persevere, go, go, go. What he was basically trying to say is, you know, when everybody attacks you, you, you don't just cave in, you keep going and they're fighting the SEC to get through that case. So I uh, just wanted to clarify that for people since I saw them asking. And Mario, when we show charts like this, if we're going to see something similar with Ripple, it's going to take a mass adoption moment. And what we're seeing right now is global regulators are shifting to become more crypto friendly. At the same time, financial firms are upgrading their payment system and a lot of our favorite projects are involved in these conversations. But guys, we got 302 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And the title of today's episode was Ripple and R3, a global crypto conference. Here's the evidence right here, guys, as I believe it's on September 25th. Could be later, could be earlier. I'll clarify that later in the show. But Ripple is going to be attending a CBDC conference 
as alongside Amazon and R3 services. So for anybody who doesn't know what R3 is, R3 is a leading provider for enterprise distributed ledger technology services that enable the secure exchange of value in regulated industries where trust is critical. So what does this mean? The banking industry moving into crypto, that's what R3 is, guys. That is what R3 represents. This is the top 40 banks on the planet coming together to work on crypto technology. Well, what's so exciting about this note right here, Jenna, is at this CBDC conference, Amazon Web Services and Ripple are two clear gold partners. And now that's not the most exciting portion of this. Ripple is going to be presenting three different presentations focused on CBDC adoption. And one of them is going to be highlighting how Ripple can allow the minting, destroying every single aspect of CBDCs. And I'm looking for it within this article right here. Um, so what it says is Ripple's new CBDC platform for minting, managing, transacting, redeeming, and destroying central bank digital currencies or stable coins will be presented at this CBDC conference. I'm really excited because of the names that are going to be involved, but I'm also excited because these types of conversations lead to regulation. When Amazon, who lobbies U.S. officials, comes in and says, we can profit off of crypto, we're going to see Congress shift very quickly. So what do you take away from this news? And we'll kick it to Mario. Um. I don't know. It's nothing like, again, when I say crazy, I was surprised to see Stellar wasn't there because, you know, Stellar is focusing on CBDCs, which leads me to think, yeah, maybe they are more towards retail and CBDC is just something else that they can offer. But, you know, this is just going to be, in my opinion, a private version of the XRP ledger and probably no use for XRP. I think that they'll have a different token on that. But, you know, it's great to see. I'm more interested in the tokenization of assets that will be on the XRPL. Honestly, Abs. Well, here's what's really cool, Anna, is that R3 put out their projection for tokenization of real-world assets over the next five years. Five trillion dollars, Mario. Five trillion dollars in the next five years. That means we're going to see a massive wave of liquidity hit these markets eventually. What do you take away from this news? Ripple and R3 leading the conversation at the CDC conference. Yeah, I think that the, f the fight stage is only going to last for so long. And as you stated, you know, with certain players starting to lobby, I think that, you know, when you start to get uh, companies or institutions like BlackRock that already want a piece of the action and they're starting with with Bitcoin, obviously, it's only a matter of time until the join phase comes along. And Ripple continues to be a, a name that that's positioning themselves in all these different important places. Right. We've got um, we've got like a bunch of different countries that have already partnered with them for CBDC research. And so I think it's just it's just a matter of time until we see like a solid development or like a solid use case into Ripple's products. But I think that Jenna brought up an, a, a really good point. It, the, the question really becomes, is it going to be a beneficial factor for XRP or are they creating solutions outside of the XRPL ecosystem like this CBDC solution? We know that they're they're pushing this. They They want to be the 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 main cbdc um solution or technology or facilitator in the world and partnering with countries but will there be an integration or or a use a use case for the xrpl i really think that that's the key question for us as investors that own xrp and obviously want price appreciation those numbers those trillions of dollars especially on tokenized assets i really think that that's way more exciting than cbdc talks I think that CBDC talks, as I keep mentioning, is kind of this double-edged uh, opinion where it's like you hate them, but then you get excited when a blockchain is, is in, involved with them. So to what extent are we going to see any of these public 
uh, blockchains actually have interaction with a CBDC. I think that because of the way governments work, it's very unlikely. I think it's very likely they will want something private. Um, but we'll wait and see. Uh, I, only time will tell. But I, I, to, to sum it up, I think the fight stage is going to come to a close eventually. And we will start to see, uh, you know, the adoption and, and utility and use cases. Johnny Crypto, today, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street own 40% of the top three companies in America. And I think we're going to see more of that going forward. They also own a massive quantity or a big portion of what we're looking at right now, which is Coinbase. And what Coinbase is highlighting in this projection right here is that 4 million jobs are at risk due to the regulatory and legislative uncertainty for crypto. We're not talking about money. We're talking about jobs here, Johnny Crypto. Americans are looking for jobs that can pay you a good amount of money. And I think a lot of them are going to land in blockchain. Are we going to see that shift? Gary Gensler's feet are definitely on the fire right now. Oh, we, we talked about this a long time ago. The whole point, the biggest danger to America with not leading this whole industry was the loss of jobs. We knew this was coming. We knew that there was a ton of jobs that are going to be at risk because think about it. If the future is going to be about developing jobs in Web 3.0, <clears throat> and the U.S. is taking a back seat to that. And all that development is going to be happening in Dubai and Singapore and Hong Kong and everywhere else. Has. Well, where the hell do you think all the jobs are going to get created for that? It's going to be over there, not here. That, for me, was always one of the biggest concerns I've had with the, <clears throat> with the U.S. Excuse me. Hold on one second. Oh, man. Sorry, guys. With Sorry the for US, the ASMR out there. Well, definitely not. With the, with the, with the U.S., kind of taking a back seat i mean we saw that there were tons of jobs being lost here and, and acquisitions and things like that that would have been happening here in the u.s to grow more growth and you, you heard larson say it himself they literally killed the san francisco you know the capital of this the, this area that was booming and growing in crypto in california abs is is crushed now it got crushed i mean i don't know i mean and i you know so there's maybe a bunch of empty buildings there it's really sad that there, this could have been the hub. California would have been for sure the hub for this space. And instead now, that's gone forever. You don't get those back. It's very, very hard when you start, you know, way down and you've got four or five countries so far ahead of you to now try and come and, and, and leapfrog them. That's, you know, that's going to be a very, very difficult thing. It's a sad day for America to have lost that opportunity, which was right in its hands, right? And Jenna, we are going to see some massive upgrades on the XRPL over the next couple of months. And David Schwartz put out a great video from Apex highlighting some of those changes. Here's the video. So a couple of near-term call-outs. Um, talk about a little bit what's coming up ahead. Uh, most of the things are, are things that I've already talked about. The AMM activation on mainnet, we hope, uh, is coming up. We're excited about the EVM sidechain going live. Um, hooks. And of course, more stability, uh, security, and cost improvements. That's going to keep happening. So while the, while the financial firms are getting ready to start using the XRPL and using similar blockchains, Jenna, it appears that the best products are not being selected yet. We had Visa choose Solana. We had, um, uh, what was the other company? MasterCard chose Ethereum. So we're seeing people continue to choose older products, although better technology exists today. When do you think articles like this will become important? Could 2025 be the bull run of utility or is it going to be another run for speculation? 
oh god anything could happen right it could be meme tokens again like we don't actually know we hope it's going to be adoption and i think it's actually going to have to do with the bitcoin etfs and that's going to kick it off um and just be like oh this is good again and we know what happens after bitcoin runs then we see eth pop off and then the altcoins and then hopefully news will come out about um utility and there being more clarity by then i hope fingers crossed right but um you know with the visa all that shit so you have to think about it the xrp is not new though the xrpl it's 10 years and it's been running 10 years with no hiccups it is old right banks love it that's what they have all these deals with all of these different banks central banks so yeah it might not be visa and mastercard right now that's okay they have you know, Bank of America, which, you know, sucks, but they have all of these different banks and banks love old shit. It is old. It's kind of right because there's so much other technology out there, but wouldn't they like something that's tried and true and the XRP def XRPL definitely is. So I think we'll see, you know, them just continuing more partnerships later on and we will probably see like Visa or MasterCard use. I would be surprised if they didn't, but maybe they won't and they will just be used in banks. And Johnny, digital IDs are Bitcoin and regulatory USA, we all that crypto is a market. And this is a good example of that. As the G20 was just hosted in India, and they're now promoting that 1.5 billion people get a digital ID. Here we go. 20 years over, what you haven't heard is what was said by the unelected boss of the commission, Ursula von der Leyen. She said we need digital public infrastructures. What does she mean? Well, it's rather like the digital passport that Blair was talking about. Already in the EU, they've got a trial going on in France and Germany. They want an EU-wide digital ID backed up by a central bank digital currency. And he now wants this to go global. And I want the British government to say, we want no part of it. Our bad actors and our lives be completely controlled. I want the British government to say no. The G20 is over. I love this video, Johnny, because it shows that people around the world are becoming more aware of the dangers when it comes to digital IDs and central bank digital currencies. I'd like to get your thoughts, but there's one more thought that I had. He stated that the digital ID would be backed by a central bank digital currency, combining your ID with your finances. That is the best thing a banker. That is every banker's dream since the beginning of the global banking system. So you give me your thoughts and we'll continue. Well, I, I mean, I just think that that's where we're headed, Abs. There's no surprise. This is where the 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 whole purpose of why all this is put together and where it's going to bring it. Traceability, um, you know, digital ID, one-stop, convenience, and all that stuff. But with convenience comes the trade-off of privacy. And so that's, that's just a decision that, you know, people need, need to realize that that's what you're making. People do it all the time. We've been trading off convenience we've been trading our privacy for convenience for years and so you know that's just the trade-off you know at what point do people get the yeah, exactly exactly that's what i mean you know once you've got a phone with you you've traded all your privacy for the most part every time you know every time you click on one of those agreements that nobody reads those terms and conditions right I mean, none of you have read one in your life. I guarantee it. I know I haven't. You haven't. You just haven't. I know you have. We all click the button saying, yeah, we agree to the terms. And we don't have a damn clue at one of those. Well, in those terms, you give away all your privacy, your data, your rights, and all that stuff. So I mean, we've been doing it for years, Abs. It's just a matter of this is going to get to a point where, you know, the thing that I think where it gets edgy 
and where there'll be some discussion and heated discussions probably in con- is the fact that when you're tying this, this, this idea to your money, that's where you'll get some people to push back and say, wait a minute, you know, maybe that's where they draw the line where, where, you know, where, where if it gets to the point where you can't spend your money, that's an issue. And you saw that kind of thing happen with, you know, the Canadian truckers, right? It was like a whole scenario. Of, oh yeah. We're just going to turn you off. And so that I think is where, where, where you'll see some discussion and why I think Nigel is saying there say no to, I think what he's saying is say no to global IDs. Because of the fact that them tied with your money gives gives an ultimate amount of control outside of, of your, your your hand. Now, now will the government will the UK government say no to global IDs? I don't think so. I'm sure they're gonna certainly make it happen at some point. Double edged well, sword, though, right? Can I can I yeah. say something? Because you have your homeless population that can't carry around their phones and everything, right? They don't have a bank. They don't have any other way to do it. So maybe, you know, UBI and a retina scan is the best thing for them. Is it the best thing for everybody? No, I think it should be optional, but not mandatory. And I think that that's just a lot of way that some people, it'll still maybe give them a better quality of life than what they have now. Now, hopefully that doesn't lead to a path of, hey, you have to stay in these houses because this is more green and you have to eat these bugs and this and that, like God only knows how far down the line, like all this control could get. But I do see how it could help those who don't have other options. They're sleeping on the streets. Yeah. And I think, I think it's only a matter of time just to add to what you both said. I think you're spot on, but it's only a matter of time until everything is digital. It's going to be digital, fully digital money, digital ID, digital uh, tickets, digital deeds. It's only a matter of time until everything becomes digital the real concern here is how they will use that against us, right? How will it be used to control us even more? That's really that's really what I don't look forward to in, in the digital age. I'm all pro pro tech. I love technology. I'm super pro tech. But when we start to think about, you know, social credit scores and 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 the way that your the economy can be controlled and, and your money can be controlled through through um, you know, through um digital money and everything that we know about a CBDC, that's the part that gets me on the edge and a little bit hesitant. But yeah, I think it's just a matter of time until everything we do is digital and everything we own is digital. Thank you, Mario. And I was pulling up this video of Gary Gensler speaking at the Senate House Committee today. And I think this this hearing was a little bit different than before. It seems like Gary Gensler was actually pressed on his regulation of the crypto market. And he may have even given some indications we could see a change in the future we got 316 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest video of Gary Gensler from Chairman, earlier today. Uh, thank you. Thanks to you and the ranking member for having uh, this hearing. And thanks to Chairman Gensler for being here. I want to just ask a few questions about personnel at the SEC, Mr. Gensler. So let's just start out with, with the very top uh, with, with you. Uh, in 2016, you were the CFO of Hillary Clinton's failed presidential campaign. Is that correct? I was proud to be chief financial officer to the Clinton campaign. Great. Jeremy Gensler, is it also correct that your current enforcement director, Gerber <laughs> Greenwald, was most recently the attorney general of New Jersey? A yes or no answer will suffice. Uh, he served his, his nation well, and he was attorney general of New Jersey. So just to recap, um, the attorney general of New Jersey is the guy who refused to enforce immigration laws and cooperate with ICE. He also launched, I believe, eight separate investigations against Donald Trump during his time as attorney general. Chairman Gensler, is it also correct that your recently hired general counsel, Megan Barbero, was previously deputy general counsel under Nancy Pelosi and litigated two impeachment hearings against Donald Trump? 
Uh, I believe she was Deputy General Counsel of the House of Representatives. Great. So, and I'll also note that one of your uh, senior enforcement counsels is married to Peter Strzok. My point here, uh, Mr. Ginsler, is that you seem to have a very troubling pattern of hiring at an impartial regulatory agency a lot of people who seem to have a vendetta against the former president. And I fear and I worry that that has implicated itself and, and affected the policy at the SEC. Chairman Ginsler, when did the SEC take its first enforcement action against a SPAC? Do you, do you know the exact time? Uh, uh, Senator, we'd have to get back to you. I don't know what decade that was. So according to my, my, uh, my, my staff's research, September of 2021 is the first time that you guys at the SEC launched enforcement action against a SPAC. So I want to recap just a few things, um, and then I want to ask a question. First, you were Clinton's finance director in 2016, Hillary Clinton's finance director. Second, you hired anti-Trump enforcement director Grewal in July of 2021. Third, you brought in Ms. Barbero, who was the litigator on two House impeachment trials against Donald Trump. You have another enforcement counsel who was married to Peter Strzok. In November of 2021, Senator Warren urged you to investigate the SPAC merger involving Donald Trump's Truth Social Company. And in December of 2021, just a few weeks later, you guys launched an investigation using a novel legal theory against the former president's social media company. That is some coincidence, isn't it, Mr. Ginsler? <laughs> um, Senator, it is good to meet you in person, but uh, I think you're, you're uh, not correct. Uh, uh, what was I not correct about there? Um, we uh, follow the facts and the law wherever they are. And uh, with regard to the SPAC field, the special purpose acquisition company field, there have been uh, abuses, as you mentioned, one in 2018 that, that we found. And there are times that we do open investigations. So the problem that I have, Chairman Ginsler, is not with you investigating SPAC mergers. The problem is investigating a SPAC merger using a novel legal theory against your boss, Joe Biden's chief political rival. Uh, also against the social media company, which, of course, at the time, Twitter and Facebook and every social media company had banned the former president. So you can make a pretty good argument that the SEC was using its enforcement powers to silence the chief political rival of the former uh, of the current president. Now, let, let me just offer another another observation here really quick before he gives this last minute, Johnny. I think that's exactly what's happening in crypto. He's using his his preconceived notions about the market to influence how people can come in and operate in the United States. And what he highlighted right here is, one, you're an unelected official. Two, this is a bureaucracy. You're not supposed to have opinions. You're supposed to follow the matter of law. But number three is a lot of his conglomerates, he said, were anti-Trump in this video. You can apply that to crypto. A lot of Gary Gensler's best friends are pro-China and anti-crypto. With that being said, here's the remainder of the video. Um we are rightfully concerned in this chamber, at least on my side of the aisle, about the weaponization of the Department of Justice. But I'm increasingly worried that we should be more worried about the weaponization of the Securities and Exchange Commission. It looks more and more like not an impartial regulatory body protecting investors and consumers, but a regulatory body that it's using its power to silence and immiserate political rivals of the current president of the United States. I have just one final question on that, Chairman Gensler. Have you ever spoken to anyone at the White House about your investigation of Donald Trump's truth social? Uh, sir, I don't speak. Yes or no? I don't know, sir. I'm going to answer the question. 
I don't speak to the White House about anything in our enforcement uh, 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 group or our investigations. So I'm mindful of, thank you for the, the answer. I'm mindful of, of, of the time here. So let me just offer one final observation. I have, I have little hope that I could persuade you that hiring committed partisans and using the regulatory powers of the SEC in a way that looks, and I think is politically partisan, is a true threat uh, to American democracy. But maybe I can appeal to your sense of self-interest. If you guys use the SEC in such a politically motivated way, eventually you're going to be out of power. And I have to say, Chairman Gensler, turnabout is fair play. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Chairman. Uh, Mike, job moment. Johnny, a lot was said in that clip. we got about four minutes left in the show. Floor is yours. He he completely roasted him. Holy crap. You know, the problem is, unfortunately, nothing happens, right? At the end of the day, he called them all out. Good for him. Mr. Vance, Senator Vance did his job. Went out there and it did a lot of research to be able to state all those facts. And the reality is, unfortunately, this is what we're, you know what we're dealing with right now. And I think until we see a change, you know, in the administration or at the top, you're kind of always going to have. I think we're going to be heading down a certain a certain path. And some of the conclusions he drew, you know, everybody has to make their own decision of what what they heard. Right? Is it is it coincident? that all these things happen the way they're happening, or is it all being put in place for a reason? So Abs, I'm not going to speculate. Yeah. It doesn't do any good. It's just a complete waste of time in my opinion, but you know, because nothing happens beyond that, but it just lets you at least know how the game is being played. And, and you just have to be aware of these things, but nonetheless, when we bring it back to crypto, I like to tie this back to the positive side of it. You have a lot of, senators now that are seeing where we're moving and seeing that this is coming and seeing that it's a technology that the U.S. can benefit from. And so what we want to see there when the hopes is at the end of the day is that we move, you know, yeah, somebody says it's all a show. I mean, you guys watch this, right? It's all, here it is. It's right here. It's all the, right, let me actually play this last clip and we'll kick it right back to the group. This is Gary Gensler discussing a spot ETF. I'd like to turn to another point. Last month, U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia uh, unanimously ruled that the SEC's denial of Grayscale spot Bitcoin ETF was, quote, arbitrary and capricious. They argued that the product is mathematically indistinguishable from already approved futures products currently trading on U.S. exchanges. So my question is, can you explain what the SEC needs to see in a filing to approve a spot Bitcoin ETF? And what questions do you still need answered from issuers about the market and or market infrastructure in order to allow this to happen. I'd just like to get some clarity. That's a good Be very question. brief and we're moving on. Chair Gensler. Senator, I thank you for the question. We're still reviewing that decision and reviewing. Uh, we have multiple <laughs> around Bitcoin exchange traded products. So it's not just that one you mentioned, but it's multiple others who are review, reviewing them. And I'm looking forward to staff's recommendation. So it's similar question. Well, here's what's really cool, Johnny, is that if he approves one of these ETF products, most likely we're going to see four, five, six products approved at the same time. That'll be a huge catalyst for not only Bitcoin, but the crypto markets overall. And we got 326 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got 30 seconds left. Floor is yours. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, at the end of the day, of course, he danced around the question again and, and didn't give us an answer, which I was hoping he would. But no surprise there that we didn't. But we do know, as the court said, Abs, that you know, you approve the futures, but you decline the spot and they're identically technically the same. So what's going on here? It's a great question. I'd love to get an answer to it. And I'm not sure we ever will.
Thank you, guys. And we got 327 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And just a quick reminder, tomorrow we will be having Waters Above back on Good Morning Crypto. That's going to be a really exciting episode for our listeners. So we'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, ah, get the shit together, baby. Thanks for joining. Woo, let's go.